A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call him when he is near. Let the scoundrel forsake his way and the wicked his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord for mercy, to our God who is generous in forgiving. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my ways above your ways, and my thoughts above your thoughts. The word of the Lord. I bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and highly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. The Lord is near to all who call on him. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. The Lord is good to all and compassionate towards all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him. The Lord is just in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. The Lord is near to all who call on him. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, life is Christ and death is gain. If I go on living in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which I shall choose. I am caught between the two. I long to depart this life and be with Christ, for that is far better. Yet that I remain in the flesh is more necessary for your benefit. Only conduct yourselves in a way worthy of the gospel of Christ. The word of the Lord.
Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told his disciples this parable The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, the landowner saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You too go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off. And he went out again around noon and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, the landowner found others standing around, and he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You too go into my vineyard. When it was evening, The owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who bore the day's burden in the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's time for show and tell. It's time for show and tell. So sit right back and lend an ear. It's time for show and tell. That was how I began the homily this past Wednesday of the last week, because this is the first day of the new week, for the school community. And I asked the children, who is God's show and tell? And I asked the littlest, the smallest of the, of the community, the Early Learning Center, So these are pre-Ks three and four, maybe even some twos in the group. I don't know. You can never tell. They're all in mass, and they sit right in this section right here. And so one of them was speaking, but I was unable to make sense of their words. So then one of the other children, maybe 
third or fourth grade, I think it was even third grade, raised up the hand. Jesus is God's show and tell. I said, that's right. Jesus is God's show and tell. And the show and tell of God, Jesus, is presenting us with a very profound teaching yet again about his two favorite topics, God and the kingdom therein. And what those who choose and, and what those who choose to be a part of this dynamic of the kingdom can expect. And the way Jesus presents it to us, it is in a manner that is quite shocking, which is always the case with the parables, because these are parables, again, that speak, of, uh, speak to us of, about the reality of the kingdom of God in this world, but not of the world. So it's always going to be a situation where things are turned topsy-turvy, upside down. And so what we really are being presented with is captured in the very last part of today's gospel pericope, the 20th chapter of Matthew, verses 1 through 16, where the first day laborers uh, who are called in at the height of the day, six o'clock in the morning, they agree to the usual daily wage with the landowner, who is, in this case, the landowner represents God, the Lord Jesus. And so when they grumble towards the landowner because he's paid the ones who only work for one hour the same that they were gonna, that they had agreed to, and so the, the owner says, listen here, did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage. Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus, the last will be first and the first will be last. You ever notice that in Matthew's Gospel, and by the way, this particular parable is distinct. It's only found in the Gospel of St. Matthew. But if you notice in the, the parables, the stories that, that Matthew presents in his Gospels that Jesus presents, most of them, if not all of them, entail some type of uh, a dynamic of, of economy of give and take, of exchange. One gets three talents, another gets two and one gets one, or five talents, three and one. You notice this. And it stands to reason, because remember, Matthew used to be the tax collector. So he would have naturally uh, gravitated and assimilated the teachings of Jesus that he used to incorporate the economy of the world relative to the economy of God's kingdom. And that's what we see being presented. We have the economy of exchange being compared and contrasted to the, the economy of gift, which is the way of God. God's economy is gift. The world's economy is exchange. And so, what do we see presented? Well, the economy of exchange is like a tit-for-tat. The owner, the landowner, is the one who has 
the means by which to employ the services of the laborers. So they agreed. They agreed to do the work. The owner has the responsibility to compensate the laborers for the work rendered. So they agreed to the usual daily wage. The usual daily wage was a denarius, which was enough for a man to take care of his whole house for a day, whatever they need. They agreed to this. So we're told in this parable that this landowner went back four subsequent times throughout the day, nine o'clock, 12 o'clock, three o'clock, and then five o'clock at the 11th hour before sunset, six o'clock. And then after everything was said and done, he started, he had the foreman start with the last and with the first. When the first saw that he was giving the usual daily wage, they're thinking, oh, certainly we're going to get more. But they got what they agreed to. So there was no injustice here. The issue here is not injustice. It's the generosity of the Lord that they have an issue with. They feel like they're being slighted. How dare you make those who they perceive to be unequal to them equal? But this, again, is not the ways of God. Remember last week, Deacon breaking open the word for us. We would like to see the gospel narrative presenting the passion of Jesus on the cross and then coming off the cross is shooting lightning bolts out like some kind of a Marvel Comics endgame presentation and seeing the bad guys get what they, they deserve. We enjoy, we gravitate to those kind of stories. We like to see the good prevail over the evil. But so does God. Good shall prevail in the end. But the way God wants goodness to prevail over evil is to have the goodness transform the evil into good. That's the way of God. That's the inside way. That's the way that God masterfully presents us with the seeds of the kingdom. All of us have received the word. It's gone out to the ends of the earth. How it's being received, how it's being responded to varies from person to person throughout the ages. The first ones to receive the word were the Israelites, the Hebrew children. They are the ones who start the job at the six o'clock hour in the morning, and they've been at it. And so we hear how the prophet Isaiah expresses how the dynamics of the chosen people have gone. They fall in and out of fidelity with God, and as a result, they experience consequences for their infidelity. They are in the throes at this point. This is the 55th chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah. Verses 6 through 9, they are in the throes of Babylonian captivity. They feel as though all is lost. They have, lost, they have literally lost their sense of being that special possession of God. They feel as if it's all over. But listen to this beautiful word from the prophet. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call him while he is near. Let the scoundrel forsake his way and the wickedest thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord for mercy, to our God, who is generous in forgiving. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, 
So high are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. If there was ever a time in which we've come to a Sunday Mass and the first reading and the gospel, which usually are complementarity with theme, you could not ask for a more explicit revelation of the theme, of the meaning of all of the scriptures today than the ones we have today. It's right there. This is about God's ways relative to humanity's ways and the world's ways, all of which have been affected by sin. So if we keep that in mind, we can understand what it is Jesus is conferring, he's presenting us with. Every single parable has a shocking attribute to it. It's meant to, wait a second, that's not right. What is it about this parable that should really strike us immediately? The landowner is crazy. As the parable is presented, the landowner is completely out of his mind. There is no landowner who works according to the economy of a world, secular world system that we see in operation today that's been in existence since the fall. No landowner is going to pay a laborer who worked one hour a full day's wage. Absolutely not. They'd go broke. And this is the telling tale. The key to the whole teaching today is that the parable presents us with the generosity of God in relationship to the sinner who has experienced the grace of God. It's akin to the parable of the prodigal of the father and the two sons. Remember? The elder son, we all identify with the elder son. We feel as though he's getting shafted. This younger son goes off, squandering everything on loose living and prostitutes, blah, 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 here, there, and that. But yet when he comes back, the father goes out of his mind with joy, killed the fatted calf, the older son is upset, we're upset. Gosh, what's going on? And that's an issue. It appears as if God is so unjust towards those who choose to serve him. It does. In this world, it appears as if those who have given themselves over to God are really on the short end of it all. But that's not the reality. We know because when Jesus, when everything was said and done, Jesus was not, according to the same prophet Isaiah, he was not even recognizable as a human being. And they said Mel Gibson went too far in the passion of the Christ, how he presented Jesus in his sufferings. (laughs) He didn't go far enough if we are to be true to the word of God. So what we are being entrusted with today is the magnanimity of the economy of God's kingdom relative to the economy of the world. You notice how they are described, the day laborers, each time the owner goes out, he finds them, they describe them as standing around idle. Why are you standing around here idle? Well, no one has hired us. Go into my, you go into my vineyard. I remember as a child coming up, my brothers and I would be, in the summer days, you know, we'd be hanging out, just 
lounging around, doing nothing. And my grandmother, my mom, whoever, maybe both of them, sometimes they would give us a word of chastisement and they'd say, hey, what are you doing? You're sitting around doing nothing. Go out and do something constructive. At least go out and play, do something. Don't sit around here idle doing nothing. Don't you know an idle mind and body is a devil's workshop? Yes. Maybe some of you have heard that phrase. And that's exactly what it's at the heart of this. These day laborers represent humanity who has been idle, sitting around under the grip and tyranny of the devil. Who, mind you, it's interesting too, in the last question he says, are you envious because I'm generous? Envy. What is it about envy? Well, it's different from jealousy. Jealousy is when you see something that someone else has and you would like to have what they have. Envy is our absolute, utter disdain for someone else, someone else's good fortune. You know, it seems as if that person, everything is as peachy for them, and we just get it as, it gets, as we get it. <laughs> we can't win to, for losing, so to speak. But it seems like these or that particular person always lands on their feet, no matter what. Drop a, a hill of manure on them, and they still come out smelling like roses. It's, it's that, type of a, that type of a mindset. We can't stand the good fortune of another person. When in reality, according to the way God has set the stage for all of us to be welcome to participate in this kingdom, a kingdom governed by the economy of gift, it's gratuitous. It's not based on anything you and I merit. It's not based on anything you and I deserve. It isn't based on how long we've been in the service of the Lord. It's based on the goodness of God. Don't we say, God is good? All the time, and all the time, God is good, and that is his nature. He can't help but be good to all of his creatures, particularly the human being created to his image and likeness. This is the mystery of salvation. I don't know, we have a little microphone issues, but it's not mine because mine is off. Maybe something else here, there. Now, where was I? Just kidding. Jesus, God, has chosen you and I where we are, as we are to participate fully, consciously, actively in this work of salvation which is ongoing. And what will constitute the blessedness of life in the kingdom now, in the world, but not of the world, but as it will be forever, without end, is really presented to us in the person of St. Paul today. Listen. Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. 
For me, for to me life is, is Christ and death is gain. If I go on living in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which I shall choose. I am caught between the two. I long to depart this life and be with Christ, for that is far better. Yet I remain in the flesh. Yet that I remain in the flesh is more necessary for your benefit. There it is. There is the economy of the gift being expressed by St. Paul. He has moved away from the disposition of what's fair, what's due him based on the economy of exchange in the secular world to that of being fully possessed by the love of God. He says it this way in another letter, it is no longer I who live, but Christ living in me. Don't get me wrong, I still live my human life, but it's a life of faith in the one who has loved me and given himself over for me. When we are in that place, when we arrive there, and if we are struggling still, when we hear these type of parables and we just say, Father, I hear you, but I just don't, ex I just find that very difficult. It's okay. All that is is the Holy Spirit's way of convicting us in the heart, telling us we are still not yet fully transformed. Our hearts are not fully transformed to the ways of the Lord. Something about this area. When I stand this way, stand this way. But there we are. So, since it is the case, the ways of God are far different from our ways as heaven is from earth and vice versa, this way, that way. How then ought we to proceed? We who are the Gentiles, we are the day laborers who've come in at different stages and still some will come in at the last moments and that's just fine with God. His priority is that everyone comes in. He wants us all. So what is the usual daily wage? We pray in our Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Heaven is wedded to earth in every mass. The whole of heaven is given to us under the blessed sacrament of bread and wine transformed miraculously. One of the great mystics of the church, St. Catherine of Siena, said it this way. In response to Thomas, when Jesus says, where I am going, you know the way, Thomas says, we don't know where you're going. How can we know? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, if that's the case, St. Catherine of Siena says, the way to heaven is heaven. I'm going to say that again. The way to heaven is heaven. If you've got Jesus, you've got heaven on earth. And that's what we pray, don't we? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The will of God is that everyone labor in the vineyard. Everyone participate. 
It's like the song. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play today. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play today. Look at me. I can be center field. Indeed. He's looking at each one of us, and he sees that we are ready to play, to play in his kingdom now into eternity. Don't miss the opportunity when he calls you to come into the game. God love you.